You love the Lord today? There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing. Come on. His worth, it sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Do you love him today? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Do it again. Oh, how I love Jesus. Come on. Just listen to that. Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Father, we thank you that you loved us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to come to this place and to just gather in your name, Lord. And I pray right now as we go into this part of the service that your spirit would move in this place and speak to us as we look at scriptures As we look at topics, Lord, that you uh, spoke about many, many years ago, but yet the principles of those scriptures are still relevant in our lives, Lord. We, We thank you, God, that you loved us, and it's because of that love that we're to share that love with other people. And so today, Lord, as we look into this situation that we're going to read, I pray, God, you give me grace and that you would speak through me and that those that are here would be blessed, and when we leave, it will be good to be in the house of the Lord. We can say that. And all of God's people together said, amen. Well, if you're a guest here today... I hope you felt welcome from the moment you walked in the door. It's uh, good to have you. There's a lot of churches in the area, and we're so thankful that you chose to be with us here at Burlington Baptist Church. I'm doing something a little different here for the next week or two. I'm going to be preaching out of the books of the prophets. I've been wanting to do this for, I don't know, six or eight months. In fact, Jeff and I had even put something together last year where we were going to preach and talk uh, uh, each one of us about the prophets. Uh, the prophets are people in the Old Testament that came forward and they, and they prophesied about things and they spoke to issues in the world of their time and they, and they spoke spiritual truths. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we miss, uh, miss some beautiful uh, principles and things by not reading these books and looking into them. Uh, and so today I want to go into the book of Amos. And I don't know how many of you have ever read the book of Amos, um, but we're going to just read. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Guys up there in the booth, don't panic. I'm going to just cut through a little bit of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read the first four, and then I'm going to read down, and then the last. So just follow with me as I read this. We're in Amos chapter 5, verse 4, and this is what it says. This is what the Lord says to the nation of Israel, search for me and live. Then you go down to verse 6, and it says, search for the Lord and live. And then you go on down past that a little bit, and and he's speaking to the the, uh, people here of Israel. And then it goes down to verse 14, and listen to this. He says, search for good instead of evil so that you may live. Then the Lord God of armies will be with you as he has said. Verse 15 says, hate uh, evil and love good. Then you will be able to have justice in your courts Maybe the Lord God of armies will have pity on the faithful few of Joseph. And then I want to drop down to 21 and listen to this. Now watch this. This is the Lord speaking. He says, I hate your festivals. I despise them because I'm not pleased with your religious assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I won't accept them. 
I won't even look at the fellowship offerings of your choices of animals. Spare me the sound of your songs. I won't listen to the music of your harps. Here's one that you've heard before, I imagine. He says, but let justice flow like a river and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So these books of the Bible in the Old Testament, so many times, you know, people say, well, I don't read the Old Testament, I can't understand it. Doesn't make a lick of sense to me. And there's a historical thing that takes place in the Old Testament. We have to understand that God created man in the Garden of Eden, and then there was this history began, right? And in this story, God made a covenant with a man called Abraham, and Abraham had descendants, and these descendants started off on a journey. You remember this story? Moses takes them, and they go through the wilderness, right? You with me? And they wind up going where? The promised land. They're headed for the promised land, right? So they get to the promised land. Multiple generations go by, and they get to the promised land. And there's a lot of years that I just covered. But they get in the promised land, and there were kingdoms that were built. And the kingdom, you know, typical people, they couldn't get along. The next thing you know, they split and went off and started. So you got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And these two kingdoms are, are the children of Israel, but they're in this location, and they're God's people. And prosperity begins to happen. And things are going really well. And, and, and they've got money, and, and things are starting to happen, and they're, they're God's people. And, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this, as they go along, they just kind of drop off with their relationship with the Lord. I mean, they're still going to the, to the temples, and they're still doing their things, but they kind of got what we Baptists call a cold condition. And then all of a sudden, that was a joke, cold condition, you can laugh. <laughs> then all of a sudden, in this northern kingdom, Bethel, you remember the city of Bethel, some of you who are Bible students, this was a location. This was where Jacob wrestled with the Lord. This is kind of a holy place, and that's where they meet, Okay. And so they're meeting in this place, and like I said, this religion has become just something that they go through the motions, and, 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 and there's no real sincerity in what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, out of the backdrop of what I've just told you, this man named Amos shows up. Now, Amos lived in the southern kingdom, and he lived in a little town called Tekoa. So you see Bethel up there at the top and Gilgal, and here's Tekoa, and there's a line that goes across right through there. It's where the split of the kingdoms are. I show you that because whenever I see a picture, it makes a little more sense to me. So he's down here in this wilderness, and these folks are up there in Bethel, and they're in their religious temples and so forth. And God reveals to Amos that he's got to go speak to these people, and he's got to go tell them that they need to get straightened out and they need to start following the Lord. You know, over the years that I've found in these books of the Old Testament, there's such rich truths. These truths, they interweave as you look at the Bible and as you read the scriptures, it goes all the way through. And, and, and it's an amazing story. You, you can't make this stuff up. And how they prophesied about a Savior that was going to come. And in, in theological circles and in theological world, they have this, this phrase that they use, and it's called progressive revelation. And what that basically means that is, as we read the Bible, we see God starts off like here, and he continues, and he's revealing himself to mankind, and it, and it continues to grow, and it continues to grow, and, and it continues, and then one night, a star appears. Aren't you glad? And it's the consummation of creation, the Son of God is born. And the revelation is that God revealed himself in the form of a man, 
But all of this backdrop to this is amazing. And it blows my mind when you get into this and you study it and you see how all of these things are happening and, 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 and history proves it out. The ultimate revelation that we see is in Jesus Christ. Some of the most interesting stories that these prophets share, I, I would encourage you to read them. I mean, they're just they're, they're phenomenal stories. You say, Kent, what in the world does all this have to do with me? That book was written in 786 B.C. What does it have to, I'll tell you what it has to do with you and what it has to do with me. There's two things in this story that, that are common to today. And you know what they are? People and God. That hasn't changed. It doesn't matter whether you're riding a camel or riding a Cadillac. People and God. We're still the same. And so here these folks are, and, 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 and Amos comes on the scene. Now, you know, when you read the Bible, and I'm giving you a whole lot of information here. I hope I don't cloud your mind with it. But you've got to have all this kind of to understand what's going on. So in the books of the Bible, you have major prophets and minor prophets. And when I was growing up in church, I always thought a major prophet had two or three stripes, and a minor prophet just had one. But that's not the way it is. See, a, a major prophet and a minor prophet... They refer to those, and it's based on the size of the book. Some of the books in the Old Testament, like Isaiah, some even question that that's two books that are put together of Isaiah. Jeremiah's a long book, all these prophetical guys. And then you got guys like Obadiah. He's just got one little book, but, man, he lays it down in that one little book. So, so you have major and minor prophets, and Amos is considered a minor prophet. But all of these books deal with things that Jesus fulfilled. When you read those books of the, of the prophets, you see that they speak to topics such as justice, repentance, mercy. I'm going to tell you, if you ever want to read the most incredible story of grace, read the book of Hosea. In fact, I'd give you that as a homework assignment if I was a teacher. This week, if you get a chance, read it in a, in a, in a version that you, that you like. It's an amazing story of God's grace and how God uses an illustration to show grace. But today we're looking at the prophet Amos, and we're looking at some of the key issues that he had to deal with. He comes out of that little community down there, Tekoa, and he comes up, man, and he's on fire. He comes up there to these people, and, and there's some characters involved in this story. You got a prophet, you got a priest, and you got a king. That's what you got in, 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 in this area that he goes to. And so the prophet is Amos. The priest is Amaziah, and he's, he's corrupt, and the king is corrupt, and these two are tied together. And so here comes this little country preacher, and he's not, he's not happy because God's laid it on his heart, man, to go tell him what's going on and tell him the truth. And you know, sometimes it's hard to preach the truth. Uh, not that it's hard to preach it, but sometimes it's, it's like, well, you know, people's not going to like me if I tell them this. People are going to like what I have to say. Well, that's what Amos was confronting because you know what he was preaching? Hey, y'all need to straighten up. And you need to quit taking advantage of people. And he just puts the hammer down. And then he goes into talking about their religious rights and so forth. And so that's where we're looking. That's what we're looking at today. He was called to preach this message to the people of Israel. And he really wasn't into it for winning a popularity contest. He was into it because God had laid it on his heart to preach this message. But there's a truth in this message for mankind, as I said, for all of us. See, society at this time in history, society at this time and religion were both bankrupt. Both of them were corrupted. People were, were, were successful, but they turned their back on God. And there was corruption and injustices and oppression. And so here comes this little preacher, a little prophet, and he's sharing to him, and he's telling him, man, you need to get serious. You need to get serious. 
And so he introduces this story, and he says to them, let righteousness flow like a mighty river. And he goes to these, perp- these people, these individuals, and he says, you know, the problem is that we have corruption and power and power of corruption, and, and man, you know, it's just, it just needs to be fixed. Amos was more concerned about serving God than he was serving the idea of pleasing people. You see a principle developing here? Sound familiar? Because you see, the, the exact messages that he's sharing is the same thing that we see Jesus doing just a few years later. He comes on the scene, and what's he, pre- what's he preaching? Peace, love, sharing, giving, that kind of thing. And so these principles of faith, there's, four, there's three or four of these things I want to talk to you about. The first one is that if we want to do this, and Amos starts it right out of the gate here, he says, seek fellowship with the Lord. This is what the Lord says to the nation of Israel. Search for me and live. Now, you know, have you ever lost anything? And you go searching for it. Last night I got home. We'd had a barbecue with her family. And I got home, and I sat in, the, in the, my recliner, and my phone fell out of my pocket and went down in the chair. Problem was, I didn't know that. And I got up and went looking for my phone. You guys know what I'm talking about. And boy, I'm telling you, I had to look high. And I took the, and the dogs were sniffing everything. I was trying to find out what I was doing down on all fours. You know, and I'm knocking the dog, trying to find. Finally, I turned the chair over and, I find, and it thumps and I find it. That's searching, right? You see, when we search for the Lord, we don't have to quite look that hard. Because he's ever present right there in front of us. Amen? And aren't you glad of that today? Faith is, is given to every person And we walk in this thing by faith. And that's what these people were doing. They were walking by faith. They were seeking God and they were seeking. Somebody told me one time, said, well, they didn't use faith in the old. I said, really? What are you talking about? Abraham was a man of faith. All of these guys walked by faith. And it wasn't easy, folks. It was not easy. And when you read about these guys, you think, well, yeah, if I was Moses, I could do that. Well, really? I mean, when you see what he had to confront with, can you imagine having all them people complaining? Why are we eating manna today? Manna, oh, man, that's just what we want, right? These guys walked with the Lord, and they had faith. And I want to tell you this. Romans 12, 3 says to every man, and the word is used in the sense of mankind, to every man is given a measure of faith. You got a measure of faith. How's that, man? That's cool, isn't it? You got one. You got, everybody in here has been given a measure of faith, according to the Scripture. That's what the Bible says. And what a privilege it is, and what a blessing it is. But I think it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a, you know, like an athlete. It's kind of a, a, a muscle kind of thing that you have to exercise. That. How do we increase that? How did Amos know what to do? Well, the Scripture also tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so we exercise that faith, and we go with other people. You ever been inspired by somebody that says, "Man, I wish I had the faith like that person does." God gives us this faith. And we live in faith, in obedience to God's will for our lives. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Just as it was for the children of Israel from the top to the bottom, though, it got a little off whack, a little off track. God does have a special interest in you. Everybody sitting in this sanctuary, God has a special interest in you today. And you know what that is? He created you. He created you in his image If we do not live in relationship with him, we actually are cutting ourselves off from the source that gave us life. And that's what God wants for us today. That's what he wanted for the children of Israel. And that's why he called a man like Amos to come to them and bring it to their attention. To seek the Lord. It's easy sometimes, you know. It's easy to get off a track, isn't it? Oh, you know, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to sleep in. 
week one. Oh, it's not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to sleep. I got this week two. I'm uh, week three. I'm going to, week four. Can I get a witness? And next thing you know, Bed Springs Baptist has become your new home, church. Been there, done that. Our faith. We exercise our faith. We need each other. We need to be encouraged by one another. It went all the way back to Abraham, this concept of faith. And this is where the story continues on. See, when we quit seeking the will of God and we put our will and our desires above God's, we break fellowship. Oh, well, that never happens in the Baptist church, does it? Seeking our will. No, no, no. We have to be careful because it's not just the Baptist church. It's human beings. We want what we want, don't we? Yeah, sure we do. Say amen. Yeah, we do. We do. That's what we do as human beings. And these folks had had seen great things happen. They had seen water parting. Their their ancestors talked about the waters parting. Can you imagine? Hey, kid, let me tell you this story, grandson. Man, we were standing at the corner of the ocean one day, and, and Moses did this, and the water went like this. And you're going, really, Grandpa? That's pretty cool. What a story, right? These people had heard these stories all their lives, the background. But you see, it was their story. And their story, the grandkids, had to, they had to write their own. And they had to seek God, just like we have to seek God. My father was named Donnie Holland. His name was Donald, but everybody called him Donnie. He wore a little Ford tractor hat, country guy, good guy. I can't only really talk about him without crying. I'm doing pretty good so far. But there was a time in my life when his religion and his relationship with Christ wasn't mine. And I had to make that decision. And that's what happened here. And it happens to every one of us. There comes a point when we have to take that step, right? And as the church, we should seek God's will. And you know, we're diverse. Go out there in that parking lot and look at the cars. Look at our clothes. Look at the way we're dressed. Look at the hairstyles. Those of you that's got it. I mean, it's just, we're human beings and we have diversity. But you know what? That's what God created us. He created us as a diverse group of people. And that's what he wanted. And that's what they were. But yet we have the same God and we should be pulling the same direction. And Amos came back to remind those people that they had gotten off the track a little bit and we needed to seek justice. You know, when we go through the motions and there's no life change happening with our faith, that's just what we're doing is going through the motions. Reminds me of a story. There were two preachers that were talking, Brother David, you'll like this. They were in a conversation. One of the preachers said to them, he said, we expect so little out of the church people today. One pastor said that. He said, do your people come to church expecting anything? You know, the preacher paused for a minute. He said, yeah, yeah, they do. They expect to be out by 12 o'clock. We should expect more than that, and we should seek fellowship with the Lord, and that causes us to grow, and that's painful sometimes, just as it was for them, just as it was, was for them. They continued to do their offerings of, of sacrifices. They continued to do the things that they had been instructed to do, but there was one thing lacking, sincerity. We pursue the Lord, and we live, not just in this world, but in the world after. The second point was, is that we pursue good rather than evil. You know, that's kind of easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? Because things come along in our lives, and, and, and before you know it, it's like I said, you're, you're kind, of, kind of into something before you know what's going on. That's why we need to stay in fellowship, we need to stay in the Word. Amos told these folks, you need to pursue good rather than evil, and we can justify anything. 
He goes on to tell them that because there's life in serving God and serving and walking in the ways of the Lord so that we live, we should pursue those things. This is a consistent theme throughout the story of God and man. Over and over and over again, man breaks the fellowship, God pursues him, he accepts us. We break fellowship, God pursues us, and he accepts us. It's grace. It's amazing the love that God has for us. It's a consistent theme. You see, John 10, 10, Jesus talked about this. Jesus said that I came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Do you realize that sitting in this sanctuary today, if you got up this morning, had clean water, a roof over your head, that you're in the top 7% of the wealthiest people in the world? The things that we take for granted. Me, maybe you didn't, but I do, I do. I don't even think about that. You see, we've been blessed. But when, when Jesus said this abundant life thing, I'm not sure that he was talking about, you know, pray for that new car and it'll be in the driveway when you get home. See, what I think he was talking about was having the abundant life of a spiritual relationship with a living God that's plugged into your life and my life and that cares about the everyday details that go on in our lives. And he's there to help us. Be encouraged about that today. Be encouraged to know that God is with you. He's for you. He's on your side. I, was, I heard a story this past week about a, a guy was talking to a lady, and she, she had kind of had a different kind of a lifestyle. And he said, you know, you should come to church with me and, 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 and learn about Jesus. And she said, church, why would I want to do that? I feel bad enough. We kind of chuckle, but you know, there's a lot of truth in that, what she was saying. This is a place where we as human beings come broken to be fixed and repaired. And God's the great physician. And, and God, help us if this isn't a place where people come to our church and don't feel that. Somebody say Amen. Because that's the truth. That's what Jesus taught. And that's what Amos is talking about in this passage of Scripture. Because he's saying to them, you know, you've done all this stuff, but you're not doing it with real meaning and real feeling. You're just going through the motions and nothing's changed. See, it displeases God when we offer hollow worship that's sincere. When we pursue God, truly pursue him, it changes our life. Bethel, that location I showed you on that map, was the pride it was the worship center of the northern part of the, of the kingdom. It was a place that went all the way back, as I said earlier, to Jacob. Tradition is that's where Jacob saw the ladder. Remember the song, Climbing Jacob's Ladder? It was holy ground. And Amos noticed that the folks came there regularly. But he also noticed that there was a complete absence of sincere devotion to the Lord. He noticed that they were busy doing and going about their religious duties, but there was no real concern or devotion to God. There was a real disconnect between what they were doing in worship and how they treated people through the week. Watch it. You see, did you catch that? When we talk about these principles, when we talk about these principles of being Christ-like, and we talk about the ultimate revelation, being in Jesus Christ as our example, do we pe treat people like Jesus did? Do we, do we, are we kind? Are we long-suffering he didn't attack. Notice when Amos went up there to this, to this place, he didn't attack the people that weren't coming in the temple. He attacked the ones that were in there because they were kind of being hypocritical about it. See, even in the church, sometimes it can happen. 
Do we seek what, 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 we want, what we want to see accomplished? Or do we seek what God wants and what Jesus is leading us to do? It's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? It's a little tough. See, the failings of the covenant in this Old Testament were due to idolatry. And we can fall into the same trip, trap. We can. We, I, you know, when you read the Old Testament, you see about these people falling and worshiping a golden calf. We think, what? How stupid can that be? Really? We can have golden calves too. Yes, we can. And they can be things that can divide us. But as Christ followers, we're to be different. When we put hollow acts of worship above God in the covenant that we've made with him, then it's broken. And that's what was happening here. And these principles apply to us today. Now, this is kind of a, of a hard sermon, but, but yet it's still, I mean, the, the good news is when we do this, God accepts us and forgives us. And it's a beautiful thing. And we don't have to go around feeling defeated. The church is not something that we should just do and maintain. The church is a movement in the world. You see, it's the job of our church, like Amos, to reach people and call people to God. And people in the church must be careful not to become complacent with the message of the gospel. So many churches are closing today. Breaks my heart. I was out yesterday riding my motorcycle, me and my wife. I know you're shocked. I slid that in. And we were riding through this little town, and, we, and, we, and it was up in Ohio. It was a little, little uh, you know, like a Mayberry kind of town in, in Ohio. And beautiful little town. Circled the corner, I saw this steeple. I love church architecture. I've always been a fan of, you know, one thing that I, I, I love about the Catholics, they know how to build churches. Amen. They build beautiful churches. And so anyway, I, I, we were riding, and we come up to the stop sign. I looked up, and I saw this steeple, and I was like, wow, that was a beautiful church. Look at the commitment these folks made at whatever year, 1920. I come around the corner, and they're having a yard sale. The church is empty, and it's a flea market. And it broke my heart. You know, when we are, as a church and as God's people, when we turn inward and start self-serving and stop reaching the world, that's what happens. We must continue to preach the gospel and share. We must continue to share. the. It's the greatest news in the world, and it's the job of the church to reach people for the Lord. If the church isn't reaching people, then we should reexamine what we're doing. When it comes to seeking God's will for our lives and our church, we must be like Amos and take bold actions. And i got to tell you, they're not always comfortable. No. When God leads us, they're not always... You know, when we read these stories, we read these stories of, like I said, these, these guys in the Old Testament. You think some of that stuff was comfortable? Can you imagine God's calling these guys out? Think about any one of them that's in that book in Hebrews, that chapter, the Hebrews of the faith. Think about Abraham. That wasn't comfortable, what he had to go through. Isaac... Not comfortable there. Moses, not comfortable. Look at the apostles. Most of them died from martyrdom. Not comfortable, but God was leading in their lives, and they had a peace. God's calling us. It's not always comfortable. Knowing that God has a plan, we have to trust that by faith. And it can be difficult sometimes. When God tells you to step out and do something, and you're like, I don't know, man, is this really what the Lord's leading me to do? And as a church, sometimes we have to step out and do things, don't we? 
Did you notice that verse down there? Look at this verse. Let's, let's go back over here just a second. I was reading this. You go down there to chapter, uh, verse 21. He's talking about the festivals, and he says, I despise them. I'm not pleased with your religious assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and, and, and grain offerings, I won't accept them. I won't even look at the fellowship offerings of your choices. And I love this one. Spare me the sound of your songs. I won't listen to the music of your harps. It's pretty bad when you can't even get your harp, you know, the harp. You can't listen to the harp, right? He says, let justice flow like a mighty river. Did you notice in that passage of Scripture, he never mentions one, one word about style of music. Amen. Amen. Come on. You know, we've seen so many church wars over music styles. It's not even in there. See, it's not about styles. It's about relationships. It's about reaching people. It's about being relevant to people. God calls us to do that as a church. I have preferences. I'm not going to stand here and lie to you. I got preferences of music that I like. But you know what? If it was playing an accordion up here on the corner, and I don't like accordion very often. I, I'm sorry if I offended you, but I would go up there and try to play it if it bring people to Jesus. They'd say, who's that little crazy ball man up there playing the accordion, right? <laughs> See, it's about reaching people for Christ. When I get old and, and, and I'm gone, and my Caleb and my grandkids, Caleb and, and uh, Adam and Andy and Molly, you know what I hope they say? They call me Pappy. I love that name. I hope they say, you know what? Pappy loved Jesus. I don't care if they say Pappy loved this style of music. I want them to know that I love Jesus and that I wanted to reach people for the gospel. It's important that we keep priorities what they should be. Amos condemns mistreating and being unfair to others. Just as the illustration is shown in the story of, of living what we believe, we really should leave it out. And Jesus taught the same thing. He said, by this, you're going to know that they're my kids. Why? Because they love each other. He didn't say like. Do you notice that? Because sometimes you may not like me, but you've got to love me, and I've got to love you. And that word love, agape, you know what that word means? It's unconditional. It means that I love you, Christopher, and I don't expect nothing in return and don't want anything in return. I love you unconditionally. And if you think about it, that's exactly what Jesus did to us. And it's what he does. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that'll preach right there. That'll change your life. That'll change your life and make you want to reach out to other people. G.C. Morgan, this is a little long uh, uh, excerpt here, but I want to read this to you because he worded it. It's, it's, just listen real close. God seeks and values the gifts that we bring him. Gifts of praise, thanksgiving, service, and material offerings. And all such giving at the altar, we enter into the highest experiences of fellowship. But the gift is acceptable to God in the measure to which the one who offers it is in fellowship with him in character and in conduct. And the test of this is in our relationships with our fellow man. We are thus charged to postpone giving to God until the right relationships are established with others. Could the neglect be the explanation of the barrenness of worship? Jesus spoke of this concept when he referenced bringing our offerings and we have something against somebody. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 24. Leave your gift at the altar and go and you make peace. 
with that person and then come back and bring your gift. Come on. Amos was hitting his head on, wasn't he? Same thing. Same thing. You see, that's what Jesus was saying when he came to the religious people of the day. Let it go, man. Let it go. Give it to the Lord. He can take care of it. And he can take care of us. And then the final thing that we notice in this passage of Scripture in Amos, this great book of the Bible, is that there is a peril to privilege. I told you the story about how they'd come through the desert and they'd settled in this place. And God had blessed them. They were living in fine homes and doing really well. But you know, with, with privilege, there comes responsibility. Amos had a definite word concerning the chosen people. In chapter 3, verse 3, he says, he quotes that God had told him that you, Israel, only have I loved. You see, the privilege requires a responsibility. Jesus said in Luke 12, or it said in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. We can't take being Christ followers as something to be dealt with lightly, folks. It's the greatest thing in the world, isn't it? To have Christ walking with us, to be able to share with others. Not that we're any better. We're sinners saved by grace. And to be able to share that. We must recognize with the knowledge and experience of knowing Jesus comes the responsibility of sharing what he's done in our lives. You know, I am so excited and so thankful. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I thank God every day for the privilege I have to be in this church. This is a loving church. Okay, here comes your kudos, and then I'm going to let it go. It is a loving church, but we can always do better, right? And God's called us as a team, as a group of people, during this period, in this time of history, to reach the people of Boone County and around the world, actually. And I'm grateful for that. Why did I preach this message today? Why did I want to preach about these prophets? I'll tell you why. Because there's principles in there that we need to be reminded of from time to time. We're on a spiritual journey, folks. And God's called us, and he's blessed us. Blessed us beyond measure. Look at this. Look at this. We even got a balcony up there. Padded pews. Comfortable. Got incredible instruments. We've got what we need. And God wants us to use them to reach other people. Why? Because life is a vapor. Life is short. May God help us as we continue to spread the good news. And may we work together in peace and seek what God's will is for each of us. See, the goodness of God to us has increased our responsibility. And it's really about the heart of worship. Um, anybody ever play Monopoly? I hate games. I'm married to the game queen of the world over here. I'm telling you, if there's a game, she'll play it, and she will try to wear you out with it, and oh, Monopoly just wears me out. <laughs> but the object of that game is, you know, you get the box out, and, and you get the little slots. When, when I was a kid, by the way, I was an only child. I think I've told you that before. And, you know, there's benefits to being an only child, but there's also the bad side of it. Think about this. You're an only child, and your, your parents buy you a gift for Christmas for four. Players of four. How cruel is that? I mean, you got to wait till your cousins come. I like to kill myself playing Twister one year. <laughs> Back to Monopoly. 
You get the Monopoly game. You get it out, you know, and, and, and you got all these, all these money things, right? You, you, and you, the object is to acquire everything on the board, right? It's really cool, and, and it goes on for like four days. <laughs> but there's a real serious principle here of this. Nothing wrong with playing Monopoly. Nothing wrong with acquiring all those places on the board. It's a lot of fun. Same way with life. You can have those things. Just make sure those things don't have us, right? But here's the point. At the end of the day, when the game's over... You put everything back in the box and you close it. And it's a lot like life, isn't it? So it's important that we seek God and spread the word and spread the message of the cross. Let justice flow like a mighty river. May we all, as we leave here today, as we go out this week, I've said it before, when you look down, look at your feet. Only God knows where those feet are going to go this week. But all of us are going to make a lot of steps. We're going to be going different places. May we be messengers of this gospel. May we be messengers of peace. May we be messengers of the wonderful story of love that the Lord's put upon us as mankind. Amen? We're going to do an invitation right now. We're going to go straight into the song, you guys. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up. And uh, this song sums up. You know, it's a funny thing how things work around here. We put these messages together whenever we're preaching. We're supposed to have men by a deadline. I usually never make it, but we work on that. It's funny, though, when, when we change things around with the music a little bit, we don't communicate as much as we used to. And they walked in. I came in here this morning at 8 o'clock, and I said, what's the invitation number? And they said, it's, <laughs> it's a song called The Heart of Worship. Whew. <laughs> I was struggling with this message, whether I should preach it or not. Not after I heard that. That was an affirmation. See, it's about our hearts and where our hearts are. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We're going to sing this song, and I'm going to ask you to sing this song as a, maybe as a prayer even. Because it's not about the music. It's about Jesus. It's about a heart change and about sharing the gospel. Maybe you have a need in your life today and you'd like to, to pray like somebody to pray with you we have deacons and my wife there's people all up here and along the front that would love to pray with you i'll pray with you this is a time where we get rid of the junk maybe uh maybe your family's here today and and you don't get to be together very often we have communion tables on each side what a blessing it is just to take communion with your family maybe you'd like to do that or maybe you'd just like to take it by yourself those are available on each side we're going to sing this song Let the Lord lead you as we go into this part of our service.
search much deeper.